Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. Hi, it's AJ Vaden, and thanks for listening to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Did you know that the ideas we share on the show are things we actually specialize in helping you implement? If you want to raise your public profile and turn your reputation into revenue, please visit freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for a free brand strategy call with one of our personal brand strategists. Again, that's freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. It is very, very rare that this happens, what you are about to experience, which is that we bring on a guest who is neither a client of ours nor somebody from the industry that I know personally, but somebody who cold pitched us for our podcast. And I'll explain why we accepted this person. You know, at our podcast power event, we talk about you being the host and we talk about pitching yourself to get on other shows. And we get pitched, I would say four to five times every single week from different PR firms. We turn almost every single person down. But there's a couple of things that happened here that I want you to understand right up front as we dive into this, okay? So first of all, you're about to meet Kristen Gisa, who is becoming my new friend and you're going to love her. But the reason I had her on the show is because of exactly what we talk about in Podcast Power. There's two things. So first of all, what are your results, right? Like leading with the results. And here's what Kristen has done. We're going to talk about TV. We are going to talk about TV shows, how to get on them, how to pitch them, how does the world of TV work for personal brands specifically. And her team tailored their pitch specifically to our audience. They showed that they cared, that they knew what our audience was about. And she was relevant because she speaks on something directly to y'all and you know to why you're here. So she is a talent manager and an executive producer herself. She's worked with Miss USA, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Real Housewives, chefs, hairstylists, so all these personal brands. She has sold shows, TV shows to NBC, TLC and Bravo. She sold the talk show with Oprah. She has 79 times booked Oprah show bookings and she has launched products that have been into Target and HSN. And so this was a specific niche, a specific expertise that was relevant to our audience that their team tailor-made and she had the results to back it up. And that is why Kristen Gisa is here. And I'm so excited for y'all to meet her. She's great. So Kristen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. You know what I feel like hearing that intro? I feel a bit like when you park too close to the car next to you at the mall and somehow you miraculously get the door open just enough to slide in and get behind the driver's 
again because uh-huh. it's like you can't you can't open the door wide enough and yet somehow you're like I'm gonna fit in here I'm gonna get <laughs> in this car and get out of this mall at Christmas time I hate all these people that's what I feel like when you intro me that way that somehow I opened it just enough to inch right in so it's I great. appreciate it's it it's like we suck in and we slide into that door and then you <laughs> exactly. get into the car and you're so comfortable so I want to talk about TV because one of the things that your team pitched me with, which I agree with, is that everybody wants to be on TV, but they have no idea what it actually takes and why they are not ready. So Mm -hmm. can you talk to me about that, right? Like everyone that's listening here is a personal brand. They are somebody Mm -hmm. that is building an audience. They have an audience of some type. Why aren't most people ready for TV? And and now we're not talking about actors. Like most of our clients are not actors. We're talking about you know, their dream is to, you know, to be like Shark Tank or Profit or reality TV of some type. Mm-hmm. Now, we do have clients that have been on The Bachelor and we have some reality TV shows, but what does it take to be on reality TV? And what does a person need to know about like how to get selected for that? And what do you need to be if you want that to be you? Yeah, I think the interesting thing, first of all, I'd like to say right off the bat, television is not a vanity project. So people spend a lot of time ruminating on this high-minded desire of what they might like to do on television and how they're going to change the world by what they can bring to television and how they are so far evolved from anything that is on television. And when is the last time that you turned on television and thought, this is so high-minded and such documentary (laughs) style level? Like, you know, you're watching like Duck Dynasty, you know? So it's like, you have to stop thinking about television as a vanity project for yourself and Mm -hmm. really think about what television means to the audience. You know, when you talk about those Oprah bookings and all those shows that I brushed up against with the Oprah Winfrey show, the magic of Oprah being in Chicago was that she had an amazing crowdsourcing to what many people in the middle of America were wanting and tuning in for. And she was listening. And then she was delivering upon the deal that she made with the audience. And so... If you're not doing that, then you're not going to find your way onto television. I like to say, you know, when you drive out into the desert or into the country, wherever you're on a road trip and they have a giant paper mache taco or dinosaur, like the one on Pee Wee Herman, like that big giant dinosaur that's just in the middle of nowhere. And everyone, it's so kitschy and everyone gets in their car, especially nowadays, and they drive out there so they can take their Instagram pictures with the dinosaur and throw up their peace signs. And they're on this amazing road trip. And it's kind of tacky, but it's kind of art. It's kind of cool, but it's kind of weird. That's what television is. You need to think about in your brand, what is your big pink dinosaur that is out in the middle of the desert that would compel people to want to drive out and visit it? That's what is a seed of an idea that will work for people then to tune into. And because you come up with your big giant dinosaur and it's just tacky enough and it's just spectacle enough and it's just interesting enough for people to engage in, That gives you permission then to have the cool town down the street that has the cool cafe and the cool art gallery and all the other elements of your brand that are a bit more of you and a bit more rooted in the core of your brand. But this is the spectacle. 
part of your brand. So if, if I understand your metaphor there, you're, you're just saying mm-hmm. like, hey, it's sort of like where you have to play the game of what is in order to be able to have the benefits mm-hmm. of, you know, the other ancillary benefits that would come to you. So you're saying directly that, hey, you know, television isn't inherently to be high minded. It's mm-hmm. not to be like evolutionary. It's not to be this like, you know, really profound level of thinking. So if it's not that, what is it? Like give us the sobering reality of like, this is what TV is. Specifically, I think we're probably talking about reality TV Mm -hmm. because I think that's what applies to our audience, right? We're not actors, but we are, you know, Marcus Lemonis, like what happened with The Prophet blew up his career. Mm -hmm. Mel Robbins has her talk show coming out right now. She's somebody that a lot of us know. You've got, you know, even the, the talk show host, Oprah Winfrey would be a good example. What's happened with the Shark Tanks? The people on The Bachelor, and we have one of the megastars from The Bachelor that's in our roster, but then it's also like he's trying to parlay that into, you know, a a real sustainable career. So what is it if it's not high-minded, like profound thinking, what would you call it? Yeah. I mean, first of all, it's entertainment, first and foremost. And in any good entertainment, it touches us, moves us, or gives us some level of takeaway. And so, of course, there's television that's high-minded. There's 60 Minutes, there's CBS Sunday Morning, there's documentaries on HBO, there's all of that. And if that's the space that you're in, absolutely. If you are that next version of Anthony Bourdain that somehow gets the golden ticket to sort of do something that feels really elevated, then keep striving for that. But largely, television is built in ensembles. It's normally not just a solo venture. So there's a lot of shows where you're going to be partnered with someone else. Most shows, with the exception of talk shows that you work on, where it might be helmed by that person, which, which, let's be real, there is a very large graveyard of talk shows that fail. There are more dead bodies in that graveyard than there are success stories. And the air is very thin up there for the people that actually make it all the way down the line to get what it is to develop an actual talk show where it's solo led, like Oprah or or Ellen, right? Or I mean. Ellen or something of that fact. And it normally for a studio, you're talking like they're already like $40 million in when they're trying to launch a new talk show. So the chances of someone unexpected getting a talk show, which we hear a lot in our business, I'm the next Oprah. And it's like, ooh, I don't know. I'm not so sure. But okay, if that's true, you better recognize all the journey that it takes to get to that level. So talk shows are so challenging on so many levels. Largely talk about reality, unscripted. Yeah, so just to pause on that right now too, because it's like talk shows to me, it's kind of like traditional book publishing. Mm -hmm. You go to them when you have a platform, like like Kelly Clarkson is a new one, right? And it's like, because she's Kelly Clarkson, she's already bringing Mm -hmm. the audience to the show. And even Mel Robbins, I think she would be kind of a lower level of that, but going, she built this monster social media empire She's not just some random person out of nowhere that's going to show up and be the next Oprah. She spent decades building an audience that's following her to talk TV. Right. 100%. Right. And so when you look then at scripted versus unscripted, which is the space that we're talking about, a lot of unscripted television could work as scripted. You know, when you look at Real Housewives, you can almost hear the versions of Desperate Housewives, which was on ABC that Mark Cherry created a decade ago. You can feel the nuances of character and content 
and an ability for the audience to plug into those personalities. So like anything that you're developing in your own brand, content is king, character is queen, and forever shall they reign. If you have content, but you don't have the character, your personal brand on Instagram isn't going to take off, let alone getting on television. It's the same on television. You have to have the character and the the ability to know who you are and be authentic and be heightened as well to heighten your authenticity, to heighten your charisma, to heighten your personality in these bolder ways. Just like the camera adds 10 pounds, the camera also diminishes personality unless you heighten it and ratchet it back up, which is the large part because everything is edited down. So if you're not high energy the whole time you're doing it, the three things that they cut out of your edit and edit down, suddenly you Mm. look like you're less energy because you didn't sustain that high energy the whole time. You have to be thinking of all of those things from a character perspective. And from a content perspective, just like anything you would do in your brand, you have to think about what is the audience getting in this bargain that we're making with them? What is the takeaway? Is it just engagement Is it or entertainment? Is there an emotional engagement? Is there an element of learning? And how then are we adding the lens of entertainment to that? So you have to think like a producer. I think that people think, well, that's what a production company is for. They're going to know what I should do. That never works. Just like when you want a client to pay you to put money in your pocket to hire you for your coaching or your personal chef duties. If you don't tell them exactly what you should mean and why you should matter, they won't know what to do with you. Not even TV producers. That's so good. Like the heightened authenticity. And and we talk about that even with podcasting that the energy transference through the mm-hmm. microphone, there's a drop of like 50%. So it's like, if you're not bringing the heat, your show's going to suck because it's boring. <laughs> like, And so I want to talk about the character thing though, mm-hmm. because I love that phrase that you use, heightened authenticity, mm-hmm. because it's still authentic yes. because at some point you're going to burn out if you're inauthentic. It's also amplified. How do you find that balance And how do you know what character you should be? Like you said something about you have to realize what is the ability of the audience to see themselves in those characters? Mm -hmm. What does all that mean? And how do you kind of go, oh, this is the character I am. Like this is the character I should play. Yeah. Well, we fuel everything that we do through our three E's. So every project that we touch, it needs to feel elevated. And I'm talking that that pink dinosaur in the desert can still feel elevated based on the experience that you give to people when they get there. So there needs to be an elevation to what you're doing. The audience needs to feel empowered by what you're doing. And they need to feel emotionally connected to what you're doing. And so to me, this applies to everything that you do, whether you're writing a book, whether you're going on the Today Show, whether you're going on a podcast, you are delivering on these three E's consistently. And in television, you better deliver on these three E's. You better find the way to elevate within what you're doing. So that way you can get noticed on camera, that way what you're delivering within the exchange is important, that how you're contributing to the cast 
feels of benefit. You know, there's a difference between someone that can play well in a group of an ensemble and contribute in a way that furthers what's happening. And then there are people that are just constantly trying to contribute and get in and get in and get in and they become a detractor. You're ultimately going to get edited out because you're just trying to get in on the goods as opposed to sort of being that really elevated heightened authenticity that you're bringing. You're talking about like the bachelor there, like that kind of a thing of like, are you yes. just trying to get into the camera? Correct. So Correct. there's a difference between I'm playing well with others Correct. and I'm a part of the scene. And then I'm just trying to be in, like I'm just trying to be famous Correct. and be in it versus someone who's being heightened authentically that it moves the whole group forward. It moves the cast forward. It moves the show forward. Correct. And I think you can feel one of the biggest ease, I guess, that we should talk about is ego. And mm. I've never met a single person who has said the phrase, I think I want to be on television. That does not have some level of ego invested in what that is. Sure. And so you have to find a way to harness that. So your ego isn't what leads you into the room. Sometimes you will get cast because your ego leads you into the room. As a producer, we need people on camera whose ego is completely out of whack. Because that gives us drama. That you need conflict. Gives us, all of that is relevant and important, and the audience needs it to further the story. You know that is arced. And P.S. Anyone who's been on television knows this. We've already identified an arc of where we think the characters will go within the episodes based on what we're doing. So sometimes that is surprising, and they go other ways. And sometimes there's mechanisms that encourage them to go certain ways in reality television. So there's that whole side too, depending on how you're looking to join the game. You know, if you're going to be cast on a show like Bachelor, there's definitely going to be mechanisms that are imposed upon you in order to create that drama. If you are going to be the next Martha Stewart and you are bringing about a heritage cooking show, it's a different type of mechanism that you're working with the producers to develop the stakes of what's going to happen in that show. But there's always going to be mechanisms and stakes that we're creating as producers to bring that about. But, you know, to go back to your question, you know, you are looking at that heightened authenticity. You're answering these things for yourself. You're aware that you're going to be edited in some capacity. You're aware that you're going to become a part of an ensemble. And these other people are going to be pushing and pulling you in different ways. And so in every situation, without it being obvious to the camera, because you still have to be present and in it and participating, you have to find a way to deliver on those three E's, to elevate and be of importance and to have take up space in the best possible way. You have to find a way to emotionally connect. And that doesn't just mean that you share something for the sake of sharing it because you think this is my hook that's going to get the audience. You are legitimately emotionally connecting to the situation. And then most important, almost everyone that you think about on television that you enjoy somehow empowers you or gives you something that you feel you're invested in them and you're giving yourself permission to be invested in them because of how they are changing you in some way. Oprah certainly did these three E's exceptionally well. You know, we tuned in for that hour and there was a bargain. We were going to show up as we were cooking dinner and we were going to have an experience on all these levels. And 
it's the same for every show. It's the same for Bachelor. It's just a different bargain. It's just we know that the exchange of currency is a bit more drama and a bit more salacious than if we're tuning in for 60 minutes. But every show makes this bargain with the audience. And it's always about the audience. That's the thing. Yeah. And that's the same about speaking, which is my background. Like I'm a hall of fame speaker. So classically Mm -hmm. I, I am a stage performer. I know you did your first comedy set last year, which was, which was cool. I saw that, you know, I was doing stand up comedy in early 2000s when I was in grad school, not because I ever wanted to be a comedian, but because I wanted to be a business speaker Mm -hmm. and I knew I had to be funny. So coming back to the character, Mm -hmm. you talk about Oprah. All right. And just this concept of heightened authenticity, which I think mm-hmm. is super, super powerful. How much of heightened authenticity is natural versus learned? Because it's not acting, but it's, a, it's an intentional choice of like, oh, I'm going to play this character. I'm going to play this role versus just like blind luck. Like, you know, like you talk about the ego person, you know, I've never been a producer of a show, but I have to think if I was going to produce The Bachelor, I would be intentionally grabbing some of the most Mm -hmm. outlandish characters just because they're completely self-unaware of how insane they are because that creates the drama and the conflict for TV. Like, Nobody wants to watch grass grow. We need conflict. Like we have to. And so I'm grabbing that person who's like self-unaware deliberately. So, but then you go, I don't think, you know, like is Oprah playing a character? Is she just being herself? Like was a lot of that coached into her or was it just like, that was just who she was coming out? No, I think the people who are truly able to find that well, when I say heightened authenticity, you're tapping into that. You know where it is and you know where the on and off switch is. It's not a different room with a different light every time. It's the same room. You just know where all the switches are and you know how to temper it. You're in charge of that muscle, so to speak. Oprah is one of those... I mean, there is a lot of truth in don't eat your heroes because like... I could tell you stories of people that have met along the way where you're like, I am gutted. This person is not nice. They were so mean to that server and I loved them in X movie, you know, and it, and it just brings you to your knees. But Oprah is exactly who you need her to be, who you've always known her to be for you. That is who she is because she you mean is in real of, life. In real life, she is one of those rare people that means so much. What Oprah means to me is different than what she means to you, is different than what she means to my Aunt Susie. She has meant something and touched us, again, in that emotional connection, in that empowerment connection. She has empowered and fueled each one of us differently. So when we arrive in front of her, she rises up to that version of herself every single time. I've rarely seen something like it. and But the thread of what that is, the talent that I've worked with the most that have meant the most to their audiences have always been the talent that have something special and it's almost unquantifiable. But when you stand before them and they look at you and they speak to you, you want to be the person that you think they see when they're looking at you. Mm -hmm. And that's a very powerful thing. When you are speaking with someone that your belief when they're looking at you is that they see something special in you, that you feel more special because of their gaze, it's so 
powerful. And Oprah has it. Other amazing celebrities that we all know and love, they have a way of just in their personal power to hold space with someone that's more about the person that they're holding space with than about themselves. And that is a skill that you can actually build over time. It takes the requirement of moving your ego aside and picking up sort of an energy frequency with the people that you are with. And the most powerful performers I have ever met have the capability to do that. Yet it's almost like developing a character trait. It's a selflessness of going like, you know, there's a beautiful phrase I don't do hot yoga anymore, but there was a season in my life when I did Bikram yoga Uh and they have this namaste, right? Which Mm -hmm. it means the highest in me sees the highest in you. Correct. Correct. And that is like the essence of what we're talking about here. Correct. Which is ironic because what you're saying about ego, there is the enemy where it's Mm -hmm. like, I'm not trying to be in the camera for me. I'm trying to draw the best out of you. Correct. Which is the audience is like, I'm trying to create the best experience for the audience, not for me, for the audience. I love that. And I love that this applies, you know, you mentioned probably most of our people, our tribe, you know, we call them mission-driven messengers. That's Mm -hmm. who we serve. Most of them are probably more likely to just be a guest on a show. Mm -hmm. You know, like they have a book launch or something and, you know, you get on Fox News or the Today Show or something like that more than just pitching a show and just because that's a smaller number of people. But like, would you say those three E's and and being that heightened authenticity, Mm -hmm. is that part of what makes you a great guest, a great pick to go, yeah, we can have you on Good Morning America because you have something empowering. You also have to still keep in mind that a part of what I'm doing there is I'm entertaining people while I'm there. I'm not just, let me tell you about my book. I'm I'm entertainment. Correct. And I think that people forget that. There's a lot of publicists. That's where I cut my teeth. That's the roots of where I grew up in entertainment. And a lot of publicists will tell people right out of the gate, you got to be working your points. You got to get in that you're there to promote your book. And as an audience member, when the first question is, so you're here in New York and you're, we heard that you have this new show that's been out and tell us about it. And the person says, well, I told you all when I wrote my book that came out big. As an audience, you're like, oh, gross. You know, and as the producer, you're like, I'm not booking this person because your goal here was to deliver upon what we're doing here. And that is putting on this show that is about the broader engine of the show. So it requires you, if you're going to deliver on these things, because you're doing it all the time, it requires to hone the skill of how to do it. You know, there's an important saying in a car salesman taught me this, that I don't want to sell you a car. I want to make you want to buy a car from me. Mm -hmm. So I'm about the car. I'm telling you everything about the car. And you now are invested in me. And you are invested in the story I'm telling you about the car. Now you want to buy the car. That is different than me selling you the car. And if you're going to go on television, and do these things. You want people to want to buy the car. You're not trying to sell them the car. And that is such an important, it's like flipping the other side of the coin. And in you need to practice that skill of the coin flip in order to get it right every time. Because it's hard. It's hard to be there to deliver upon what they want you to deliver upon and still get your messaging in. And the thing that is the cornerstone of, of how to do it well is that you are never, not for an instant, Have I ever sold products 
or properties. I have only, only ever sold philosophy. So all the years of selling product lines into Target, moving shows onto television, launching books and publishing books, I was never selling any of those things. I was only ever like the master of the sham wow, evangelizing you on the power of the words, of the philosophy, of the belief of how this will elevate, empower, and emotionally support you. And when you connect into those things, that is the Trojan horse to want to go buy the publishing, the property, and the product. And if you can learn how to do that well, there is not a single room that you can't walk into and nail the pitch get the property, sell the project. It's just the cornerstone because you're never beginning a conversation with, I have this thing that I want to sell to you. It always begins and ends with, I have this thing that I want to share with you. And the selling becomes then the byproduct of that. And that's where the power is, I think, in anything that you're going to do, whether you want a producer to buy into you, an editor to buy into you, or whatever your mechanism is. To me, that's the power source. I love this so much. Yeah, you mentioned ShamWow and I was laughing for a second. So Kevin Harrington is one of our one of our clients who was like the I mean, of the infomercial. I've, I've wanted to buy a ShamWow 85 times. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. like, it works, you know? I'm just going to show you this thing over and over and you like me and now you like this thing and you're debating 10 years later. I'm like, maybe I should still buy that ShamWow, you know? And I know the name. That just shows yeah. you, it affects you on these different levels. Now, as the producer, I mean, you're an author, right? You're doing these things. You have your own personal brand and stuff. But your day job right now is like you produce shows, you pitch ideas to networks and to production companies. Mm-hmm. And and when you sell a show, a part of what your role as a producer is, is selecting the talent who comes on the show. My big question is, how do you spot it in someone? And what do you look for, right? Like as the producer, because you're kind of like, you're the orchestrate. You're like mm-hmm. the conductor. You're the one that's like got to pull all the pieces together between the audience and the talent and the production company, right? Like that's what you're doing. I don't spot it. I feel it. So every single person that calls me that wants to work with us as talent management or a production, and they're telling me who they are, they better make me feel who they are. And for every time that you tell- Boom, drop the microphone. Feel, we need to cut that as a tweet. <laughs> That is what it comes down to. I need to feel you in in the way of what it is that you are bringing into this universe. And I mean, I'm talking, you could be honey boo boo and that's okay. If I feel it, what it can be, then we're going to the dance. First of all, don't come to me and try and just talk at me or tell me or proselytize to me who you are. Listen a lot more than you speak and find the way to help navigate through what we are looking for to encourage us to have that connection with you. So many people come and sit before us and they just start telling me all the things that they are. And the whole time, maybe I'm thinking I feel something else for them that could get them to the dance, but they're so busy telling me that all they want is a talk show like Oprah. And I know that those are all on the decline and they're so adamant about what it is that they want, that they want, that it starts to feel a bit like an unreal that you're trying to talk into doing their homework. It's just a battle that you don't want to have. So 
I find it's sometimes much better to begin with the question. So to say, let's talk about the things that I am bringing into the world and let's have you tell me a bit about what does that mean for the world? Is there a place for that in the world? How does this apply to the world? There's a conversation that we could be having that a lot of people skip right over that and go to whether it's their brand, whether it's television or whatever it is, they make it a vanity project. They sit in front of you and tell you what it is exactly that they're going to do. And that's for your vision board. That's for your book on your bedside table that you write down every day. I'm going to be a millionaire and I'm going to, I do it too. I'm right there with you. We can compare crib notes all day long. I got it. We're all vision boarding. I'm in it. I'm in it deep. But there is also when you vibrate at a frequency of I am pulling people into me that are going to inform where I'm going next, you actually have to connect energetically, hear from them learn from them, and then apply. Maybe, okay, now we're going to go down this path. And people miss that beat altogether. I love that. Don't tell me who you are, make me feel who you are. I mean, that is such a capstone of this conversation. I, I love this so much. So real quick, I know this is this is like a little bit off topic. Like we've been going so deep into like the character and the role that mm-hmm. you play. Can you just give us a broad, and like, I can't believe this has gone way over time, but this is so good and I think unique. I think you have such a unique perspective of what people normally see, Kristen, of just like living in this world for your whole career. And so if you were going to pitch a show, Mm -hmm. what are like just the mechanics of that? Like if you want to get a traditional book deal, we have a whole event we call Bestseller Launch Plan, which is all about like, Here's how it works. You create a book proposal. You have the book proposal. You have your plan. In the book proposal, you go to a literary agent. The literary agent says yes. They shop you to a publisher. Publisher signs a deal. You get a contract. You know, it's like there's a process that more or less is generally followed. I feel like TV for most of us is this like mysterious black box mm-hmm. of like, we just think of it as like this lucky break of like, you're walking in the mall and somebody goes, hey, you're the next Oprah. But there's a process to all this. And, and for people like you who like you spent your life doing it, it's secondhand nature. But just like, what's the high level? Hey, I got an idea for a show. How does that materialize from there? Well, first of all, there's hardly any new ideas. So that's the first thing. Production mm-hmm. companies have a very hard time making money right now because it's so hard to sell. Sh- there's so many shows that don't actually get to air. It used to be that they bought 10 episodes. Now they buy eight. Sometimes they buy less. Sometimes they buy one. They test it. It takes a year. Then it doesn't get the rating. So they don't buy the rest of the show. It's basically the smell of desperation, fear, and failure in entertainment is like, be prepared. You know, I don't know. I've never been in a morgue, but like get the menthol ready because it is not pretty. So be prepared for so many no's. Be prepared to be violently unrelenting in your desire to pursue it. If there's any part of you that's like, I'm just going to see what happens and go from there. You are never going to make it off the ground level because it's going to fail and fail some more and fail and fail again. That's first rule. Second rule, you are the driver. Like anything in your life, show them what you can mean. Already start collaborating with friends. Already start creating content on Instagram Live. Already start creating the YouTube show. The people who make it the furthest are the ones who are 
already creating the content that gives the roadmap for how people would use you. So find friends to collaborate with, start doing it, start dreaming up, start trying new things, show people what you could mean on a larger scale become an expert at understanding what all is happening on television, what networks are buying and what they aren't buying. So you can actually have a conversation with producers because a lot of the shows that people come to me and say, Hey, this is a show that I want to do is actually only a seed of an idea that would be a segment on a TV show. Mm -hmm. You actually have to think about how does this sustain for one whole episode and for 10 whole episodes in a season and you don't make any money in season one. So how's it going to get to a season two? Where are you going to go in it? It's all of those things that you should start thinking of. So that way it can go beyond just that one small five minute. This is how I would do it on the Rachel Ray show. It needs to actually feel expandable. And like I said earlier, A lot of ideas that work that are successful in television, you can see a version of them as a documentary like The Tiger King that then can become a film that we would all watch and get invested in that could also become a series of a show with these really great characters that could also be a reality show. It can, like any good idea, you can mold it and fit it for the different formats and platforms that exist out there. So think in those terms. If it's something that only applies to you and only you could do it, you're going to have such a hard time selling it. Think in terms of does this idea expand and contract? And then write your pitch, build your deck, get a Canva account, make it look sexy. (laughs) You got to do all the things to sell it. So, okay. So just real quick on that. Functionally speaking, you're going to write a pitch just like a book Mm -hmm. proposal or a speaking proposal or any other proposal. It's like, show me something in Mm -hmm. writing and with pictures that kind of gets, helps me understand and articulate the concept. Correct. And then who do you send that deck to? Do you send it to a producer, to a production company, to somebody else? Is it just like, I mean, I know it's kind of like send it to freaking everyone and anyone who will listen to you until you like find the right person. But is it, who's the gatekeeper there? I mean, there's so many gatekeepers. That's part of the problem. So you're building those connections and networking and having conversations. If it's truly a seed of an idea that is stealable, which they kind of all are, you're going to want to, be careful about how you talk about the idea, you know, so that way you can kind of try and protect it. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times that I've been told no on a show pitch. And then a year later, I see the same production company that I was pitching out there with a similar show, you know? So, and who's to say, maybe they had the idea at the same time. Again, there are no new ideas. So it's, it's really about how you layer it in, but everything comes down to relationships in any industry television is the same. Every connection, every business card. The number one thing that I can say, whoever decided that no one should have business cards anymore should be interrogated beyond because the number of times that I have said to talent that I actually am curious about, like, hi, I'm Kristen. Do you have a card? And they're like, you can find me on Instagram. I know that when I DM you, you probably won't see it and DM me back. And now I am a lost connection to you. And you never know who someone is or how they're going to help you. And if you don't find a way to concretely connect with them, don't make me search for you because that is how doors don't open. So be prepared at every turn for actually how to get a hold of someone. Totally. Well, and I, I hope you don't take this as a slight, but like, you know, if I go look at your social media right now, I wouldn't see millions of followers 
But if I was sitting next to you on an airplane and be like, hey, this is someone who's booked 70 people on Oprah, might be worth the conversation. You just don't know. Who's who? uh, You know, on social media, everyone's like drawn to like, you know, all the people with lots of Mm -hmm. followers, but it's like, usually those aren't the people who open the doors. Correct. It's it's their assistant. It's their talent manager. It's their agent. Like those are the people who control the doors. Correct. And when you delve deeper into someone's following and then you start to see, oh, that's the head of of this, of HSN. Oh, that's the head of Target. Oh, that's the head of that. And then you're like, you have no idea who those people are. Cause when you go to their feed, it's just them with their kids. You don't know that right. those are the people in my orbit and you've already discounted it for whatever reason. And it's like, you just lost one of your greatest leads. You need to rate at such a high frequency of, I am compelling these people into my orbit and then actually be smart enough to take advantage of that. You know, the number of times that I've sat next to someone on a plane and later someone would be like, how'd you sit next to the head of development for HBO? And it's, how'd that happen? It's like, I made that happen. I vibrated at such a high energy all the time at every turn in order to make that happen. You have to vibrate at that level too and be smart enough to take advantage of it when it happens. So, okay. I have one other question before we let you go. Before I do that, though, where should people go if they want to connect with you, Kristen? Mm -hmm. Like if they want to like, you know, learn more and all that kind of stuff and just kind of like get plugged into what you're doing. Yeah. All Moxie on Instagram, A-L-L-M-O-X-I-E. Okay. Very cool. I think we'll probably have you back again at some point or maybe we'll just do a training for our members on like specifically TV pitching and stuff. But this is so, so powerful. So my last question for you is, is TV dead or dying? Like, should we all be going the heck with a production company? Take your show idea and freaking make it yourself and build it on YouTube. Because that's sort of what I'm starting to think mm-hmm. is going by the time I would build the relationships and get to the people and make the pilot and get the first episode. And did we get the rating? It's almost like, should we be thinking more of just like, just build it on your own? Or do you go, no, you know, you really need to like, it's still TV. I think it's a bit of both. I mean, if you build it, they will come, right? So if you start doing it on like your own- if you own, prove that you have traction, then it'll it open, it yeah. speeds it up. And creativity, just again, having clever, you know, the first thing that we do with clients is say your Instagram, your social media is your resume. So show people exactly the types of cleverness, content, creativity that you have. So by the time they come to your page, now the alarm bells are going off. Now we're connecting the dots of how to use you. That is, you know, it's a paint by number, right? You're over here shading in in the lower corner. They're somewhere you don't know. And somewhere all of a sudden you both arrived at the same spot and it all clicks. It's like, oh, this was the missing piece to this butterfly painting that we were making of your brand. And it comes together. And you eventually, for as much as you can say, like television is changing, is it dead? Absolutely not. It's not going anywhere. We, especially now, we are all working from home, at home, our connection to entertainment, sharing and watching television together. It's it's going to get stronger again. It's just that now we have to find more clever ways for us to bridge together and come together in the middle. So it's a bit of both. I like it. Such a fantastic educational, stimulating conversation, my friends. I don't know you know, where else you would find Kristen. And that's why she immediately jumped out to me as someone you had to meet. And I think my instincts were fully justified because of her spirit. And this has been so generous, Kristen, and so oh, thank informative. You. 
and honest and empowering and I think just insightful. And uh, anyways, we hope to stay in touch with you. We wish you the best and thank you so much. Thank you. And forgive my moving boxes. I'm just still getting settled. It's not normally this shabby around here, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. That's all we've got for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free lifetime access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we will get you set up with free lifetime access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation. 